0: With us is, uh, like, I want to make, to make sure I'm saying it right, Crouch? Yep. Cool. Um, author of Dark Matter and the Wayward Pines trilogy. And, uh, well, God, there was one more that I had said and meant
1: to write down and I didn't. <laughs> uh, I have a bunch of books, actually. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I also uh, made a show called Good Behavior. Uh, oh. That was on TNT. Uh, a book called Run, Abandon, Snowbound. Then I had some really early, really bad, early bad stuff horror books. Yeah,
0: how long how long have you been uh, how long have you been a published author? Since two thousand and four. Awesome. So uh, we're we're dropping this a little bit early, but we were kind of we wanted to when we found out that we had you coming on, we were going to talk about uh, November is novel writing month, and we always do we do a support thing out of the the cafe downstairs where they have meetings every week to kind of mm-hmm. share their progress with each other and stuff, and it's always really cool. The glasses are fogging up. Hang on.
2: <laughs> He's really excited you guys are here. I am.
0: I'm so here. It is. It's all summer long we don't have air conditioning up here and it just gets sweltering. And most of us are built my way, you know, so it's like just sweaty and <laughs> rose. Most of us, me, Travis and Jordan. I'm on so my way. So uh, I hadn't read um, – I've started Dark Matter. I hadn't read The Wayward Pines, but I did follow the show. What, how much involvement did you have with that? Um,
1: I wrote uh, several episodes in the uh, first season. I was an executive producer on the show. Went to uh, set a couple of times and just tried to overall make sure I liked where the overall arc of the show was heading. So that that's was actually going to be my next question is where did you fall on that? I was very, very happy with the first season. I thought it, it really came together well. I liked how they waited for the reveal until the fifth episode, which is really smart, not until the end and not getting to it too soon. I don't know. It, it started to go a little afield in the second season. There's some really good episodes, but overall, I felt the kind of the heart of the story was lost. No, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't see
3: that. So as an author, do you— is it a privilege? I mean, I guess it would depend on the treatment of your work, but is it exciting for you to see what people do with what you've, you've put out there?
1: Oh, yeah. It's always um, a real honor because it takes so many people to, to make a, a television show of, of any size, uh, and Wayward Pines was a really big production. They built the whole city, all the interiors on stages in Vancouver, and then they had a whole other uh, exterior set 60 miles away in this town called Agassiz. And you just realize how many people it takes just to do something very simple, like shoot two minutes of, of film. So, yeah, from that standpoint, I, I mean, it's always amazing to see a lot of other artists come to try to help show your vision to the world.
0: Awesome. I, do, I don't just want to talk about TV shows and stuff, but I, I, do, I did have one more question. So as, as an author, when you're picturing a character in your head and then you cast you – know, or Juliette Lewis or, or Matt Dillon or uh, Terrence Howard, any of those guys, like, did they meet – in your brain, did they represent the character to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I try not to really think of uh, actors when I'm writing at the uh, at the book stage because it's you sort of inadvertently begin to pick up on an actor's idiosyncrasies instead of the character mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, and so when Weird Pines went into production, uh, we were. Where was I on the books? I think I had published Pines, and I was in the middle of writing the second book, Wayward, and it was very difficult sort of to get Matt Dillon's voice out of your head. Yeah. As you, you just heard him constantly, and then you would hear Terrence Howard for uh, – well, I didn't hear him because – spoiler alert. Terrence, uh, Sheriff Pope, dies, gets shoved off of a helicopter at the end of Pines. So that wasn't so much of an issue. Um, problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. It, it solves a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's a quality problem to try to keep character voices straight once right. you bring on like iconic actors like that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I was just I, uh, watching the show. I was totally thinking about that the whole time. And I was like, oh, I wonder how that would influence, like, I I would wonder how that, you know, gets into your brain and how you get it out. Doing editing, would you run into, like, notice a vocal change, perhaps, in the way a character is written?
4: Um, I never really noticed Blake doing that, but I work, I have uh, about... I do about 20 to 30 books a year. Awesome. Um, so I work with a lot, a wide variety of writers, uh, mostly in the mystery, thriller, suspense, crime, but a lot of science fiction. And you see it more with other writers. I think Blake is actually very intentional with um, his decision-making with some of these things. But uh, you sometimes are reading a book and I'm like, Okay, cool. I get it. This is, you know, Matt Damon, but uh, <laughs> that's not really character creation. You're, it's also a caricature of a person because it's yeah. who we see them as an actor and not even a complete person. Right. Um, so it's it's a pretty dangerous thing. You know, you see it a lot more in comics that people will actually model people after actors and actresses. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit different because you. Because your creation includes visuals, you can kind of create a different kind of character. I think in writing, it's much harder to not accidentally make somebody very one-dimensional because you only have a certain number of words in which to tell us who a person is and for them to show us who they are.
0: It's funny that you bring it up in comics because I noticed that very much with uh, Wolverine. Once... Hugh Jackman started playing Wolverine. He looks like
4: Hugh Jackman. He started
0: getting taller,
4: (laughs) in (laughs) tissue,
0: and and thinner. Like still very muscular, hunchbacky. Yeah, Yeah. but not not you know this little honey badger that's gonna go off and kill a bunch of people. Like he just became this. He very much embodied that.
4: No, aesthetic, yeah. and you now see that's this. who
0: people think of him as. I
4: always especially yeah. think of Old Man Logan as being the most guilty of that, and I love Jeff Lemire's that whole line, but that looks like Hugh Jackman. I'm like, come on, guys. Oh, like, 100%. You're not even, pretend, you're not even if, pretending to
2: try. right? If you, uh, go, if you follow Aquaman at all, he's very slowly, but surely his hair is getting a little bit darker, darker, and, darker and he's darker. a little bit his Eyebrows and tanner, tanner. are getting bigger. yeah, he's getting <laughs> a little bit more tattoos slowly, but surely. But yeah.
0: so, uh, uh, I noticed that a lot with uh, Stefan Sajik's characterization of him, the, yeah. the guy that did uh, Sunstone. When oh, he yeah. started doing the paintings of him, it, it got much more Maori. <laughs> <laughs> super, super Mamoy. Yeah. So back to back to Blake's um so you did
1: you did uh Good Behavior? I did good behavior. And what, what was that experience like? Well it came out of a short story or actually three short stories That I wrote about this um, meth addicted thief named Letty Dobesh, and when I finished, when we finished the first season of Weird Pines, uh, my writing partner Chad Hodge, who had created Weird Pines, was like, "Oh, we should, we should do something else. What should we do?" And I was, I don't know, just had a feeling. I was like, "I think you could." It's very different from Weird Pines. It's not sci fi. There's not a huge concept. It's more of the concept is just this character and and what a complete up she is, but you still love her. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. so I said, once you read this story and he read it, he's like, oh, my God, this is she's so interesting. I I just want to follow her around everywhere. So we ended up writing the pilot script together and created that show together uh, and ended up casting Michelle Dockery, who went from, you know, living in the auspices of Downton Abbey to smoking meth and hotel rooms in North (laughs) Carolina. (laughs) How do you wind up getting inside a character like that? Boy, I don't know. She was very easy in that she just sort of appeared and started talking, and kind of knew who she was at the time. I, I wrote the story because I'd written the story, you know, probably now ten years ago, maybe twelve. Uh, I, I was working at that time as a paralegal for this criminal defense lawyer, and I was going over to the jail sort of on a semi-regular basis to interview our clients, and I, every you know there were a lot of meth cases and a lot of just stupid ignorant behavior, yeah. you know, stealing cars and then wrecking them and, and then getting caught just doing the dumbest <laughs> shit. And I was just in that sp- headspace of um of lo-fi criminality, and I think that's... So that was all circling in my head, and then this character of Letty just kind of wandered into my conscience and just <laughs> never had a character come so fully formed. She's that's, a- that's awesome. She's also sort of who I think I wanted to be a little bit because... She just does what she wants to do. She just follows her (laughs) instincts. She just wants to steal your pair of sunglasses. She's just going to do that and smile and lie to your face as she does it. And I just – I don't know. At that point in time in my life, I think I kind of wanted that freedom, not necessarily to be a criminal but to – do but what i want to do yeah. <laughs> also to be a criminal a very oh, uh, an yes.
0: anarchist nihilistic yeah. viewpoint of yeah. meh i'm just going to do it whatever yeah. let's see what happens our crew is robbing your
1: store downstairs while we're doing
0: this that's
4: so this makes, is the most of well, ever makes however. a lot of sense
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised no one's done it yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's
3: outstanding do you ever
1: find your characters surprising you often often uh, that's what you hope they do if they don't surprise you then you probably haven't done enough research to understand who they are so they can, in a way, think for themselves.
3: I understand. Yeah. No, that's... It would be fascinating to me. I, When I've written, I, I have a hard time with characterizations just because I tend to stick with what I know, which limits me, you know, and it, it impresses
1: me that you're able to go outside your box so much. Well, I mean, I think it's... You can't be afraid to be very imaginative and, I mean, look, also, you know, plenty you can steal from people you know and use certain qualities or characteristics good and bad i've definitely done that before um but yeah i mean that whole right what you know thing is kind of stupid i think (laughs) that'd be really boring i mean we read things because we want to be excited and want to look beyond uh normal lives yeah so
0: i uh i always like to know when it comes to to any sort of creative process i like to know where your influences come from like what what impacted you and made you want to do this
1: you know, I was always, I loved uh, telling my younger brother, who's six years younger than I am, stories, like bedtime stories, and I like to scare him. Awesome. And he would and he would—he would want to be scared, but also not want to be, you know, how you, you pull the cover over your head, but you're like, but you should keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I would tell him, really, uh, I would just try to scare the shit out of him before bed, and... I started coming back to this one character, this uh, kind of mad scientist who lives in this castle on the hill. and I never got around to what he was actually inventing, but it was nothing good. He was up (laughs) to no good. And I started writing this story on the little uh, Tandy 1000, printing it out on the dot matrix printer. You know, they used to print these long sheets of paper. I still have them somewhere. And those were the first uh, stories that I told, and I've always just been uh, a huge reader. I loved C.S. Lewis growing up and J.R.R. Tolkien. And then I discovered uh, the darker side of my psyche and like Thomas Harris, who did the poor Silence of the Lambs. The oh, we have the Red Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. I am a Han- diehard Thomas. Hannibal so. lives
0: right there on our desk. Yep.
1: <laughs> Oh, I didn't notice. (laughs) I'm going to steal that. (laughs) It's his. Go for it. Absolutely. So
2: um, when it comes to different styles of writing and genres and stuff, as far as like horror and thriller and suspense and stuff, is there any sort of element that's significant to that or like a different headspace that you need to get in when you're writing that versus anything else?
1: I don't I mean I don't think so it it all feels pretty integrated in my head it's not like I'm writing a horror thing now or a sci-fi thing Mm -hmm. or I think all of my stories are naturally sort of Mesh together because it's a reflection of what I love. I mean, I love everything from like we saw John Carpenter, the, yeah. the video, the board game downstairs, which we have to buy. Uh, everything from that. You get, you get a guest discount, by the way. Yes. You,
4: <laughs> could you ship it to our house in Durango? Because, yes, I can. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> that's no problem. That so was like, how are we going to get this on the plane? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I like that we're doing business. Here's my credit card. <laughs> we, got, we got to keep something yes. funding the <laughs> podcast. <That's man>.
4: <laughs> this is all
2: a marketing point. Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, But, yeah, it's all one thing. It's not like, oh, this is the the, Ah. the horror the thriller or the fantasy part of Mm -hmm.
4: me. But I think there's something else I want to say about that. Like um, when you read the Wayward Pines trilogy, um, with intention, we set out uh, to write – well, Blake was writing them. I don't want to take too much credit. But this concept was one that we worked on a lot from the get-go, which was that each book is a different genre technically. And I'm like big – because I'm an editor, I'm big about like – Tropes and beats, and th- that's yeah. how that's the mm-hmm. difference between the genres. Otherwise, it really doesn't matter. Blake writes totally postmodern, but other than that, like he's all over the place. But if you so Way uh, Pines is a straight up suspense novel. You know, it's it's basically your running j- jumpy shooter thriller with you know the bad guy is kind of known almost from the get go kind of thing. But then you have Wayward is actually a crime novel and it's a mystery. It is straight up PI. You know, Ethan is solving a crime, a person is murdered, and then they go and they collect the clues, and then they talk about it, and just so happens to be set in this world where you're at the same time using that as your method to learn more about the world. And then The Last town is straight-up horror, and it is horror in in every aspect of its structure and the way it's laid out and how everything plays out. And so, like, I think that even though you consider yourself to be neither fish nor fowl because you write across genres and are constantly playing with them, Blake, like, you're also... Occasionally, genuinely adhering to the rules and the laws, and I think that that's kind of a fun way to play with the audience too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something for everyone in some of his books. Which I, don't is... th- I
1: don't know that I intentionally do that. I mean, I think you pointed out and helped guide me and say, "Well, you're actually writing this kind of book, which is cool, and let's make sure that we are." Then, if we are, if this is going to become more of a um, book two that's structured as a police procedural, let's do this and this and this. I think you're m- more methodical in your as you approach edits, and I'm much more just on instinct and I think I want to do this. I'm not sure why.
4: I don't think most writers actually also think about the genre that they're writing in. Um, A lot of times that's the thing that I'm like, do you mean this to be sci-fi or do you mean this to be horror? Because it would change where things happen in your book and it would change the structure and it would train change your beats specifically um and a lot of times writers like i don't know which one will sell better (laughs) 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 which is a fair question like i mean horror is not popular right now so i would say go more thriller direction you know like there's there's different ways to do that so and still get to tell the story you want to tell usually it's just moving things around on the page Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so what was the last thing you read that really got your jazz like what, what have you been into lately Either one mm-hmm.
4: of you. Uh, my favorite book of the last five years is Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I love that book. And that read, is horror. Read it? yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really some good. sexy shit. Um,
1: I am. Uh, wow, I'm reading a lot of uh, of Jeff Lemire's uh, graphic oh, novels right excellent. now. I just yeah, excellent. just read um, Essex County, which, which is
0: phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yes,
1: I just read a new. I'm mean, I can't talk about it, but I just read a new one that's coming out next year. That's mind-blowing and Fantastic. so good
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> what else did we i read uh fairly recently also something why did i just totally block this from my mind i'm just wasting time on <laughs> i'm reading a, i'm
1: reading a book called Superintelligence by nick bostrom which is nonfiction but yeah. really interesting um i read a book called the silent patient which is a psychological suspense by michael or alec no it's alex and i'm i don't know how to pronounce his last name apologies but it's a new it's a debut but it's coming out next year and it has like one of the best twists of a book i've read and awesome. like ever yeah i mean a lot of the, a lot of what i read are like manuscripts from friends that that aren't out yet so it's right. hard to recommend those because you know yeah. no one's going to remember in two years <laughs> when it actually <laughs> drops it's cool that I,
0: I i like the lemire well we're all big jeff lemire fans you know yeah. we're We're a bookstore at our heart, but we're very much a a comic bookstore. And so anytime we get to talk about comic stuff, we actually have an entire podcast that will be recorded later called Comics Corner. Mm. That's all it is. Oh, cool.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I have a book I worked on uh, that's coming out this spring for you guys to look out for as a bookstore. It's called Emily Eternal. And it's uh, by Mark Wheaton, or MG Wheaton, I think is actually his pseudonym. And uh, it is um, an AI story, which, by the way, I've edited a lot of those, and they're very hard to do. And he cuts through all the. That people have problems with with AI and actually gets to the point where it is like genuinely interesting. The character is really smart. It's so much fun. And it's like, it's, and not just because I worked on it, it's genuinely a really good book. And I remember I talked about it for like six months after I finished it. Everything I worked on after that, I was like, if only this could be more like Mark's book. So So I'm looking forward to that one. Like that. Yeah, exactly. That's
1: that's phenomenal. That's awesome. Right on. What about you guys? What have you read lately that Um, you're loving? So, uh,
0: well, I kind of, I've never had as little time to read as I have working in bookstores. <laughs> 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 Word. But uh, like recently in the past couple of years, uh, I was a big fan of a book called "Meddling Kids." Hmm. That kind of turned the Scooby Doo trope on its uh, oh, on its side. Ooh. It was a it was a kids on bikes type of thing, but it was they were in a van and hmm. uh, trying to get to the bottom of a.
4: We were know. just talking about this book with somebody. Who is this? Who wrote this?
0: Oh, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know. Hang on, just a second.
4: No, literally it was it was She was just telling us about this. Oh, oh, that's yeah. yeah. Right. We're doing a short that's story right. collection and is like the acquisition editor and she was telling us that she did a short story with whoever wrote this one.
0: Edgar Cantero. Yes. yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so that that book was was absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Um like my favorite book of all time is The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Mm. Uh, and it's not just because it's, I, I like fantasy novels a lot but it's very rarely do they make the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Just the structure and the way his prose are. is it's one
4: of the best fantasy novels the last 10 years. Yeah. And if only Pat would write slightly faster. I'm sorry. Like.
0: Dear, <laughs> dear God. <laughs> so the funny thing you mentioned that is I got uh, that book recommended to me by a buddy who was like, dude, you have to read this. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And he's like, the second one's about to come out. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I read Name of the Wind. And like three years goes by and that's yeah, when.
4: About to come out. Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: that's when it comes <laughs> out. And then I, get, I got that one and I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this.
4: You've and, made a mistake. <laughs> and wait until <laughs>
0: until the third one drops so I can read them straight through. I really wanted to do that. And after four years of it sitting on the shelf, I was finally like, No, nope, reading You'll it. I don't coming. care anymore. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, but yeah. Uh, Thomas Harris, another huge, we're both pretty big fans of him. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, Funny thing you were talking about, um, your influence uh, and seeing actors do it, uh, something that a lot of people don't know. Thomas Harris never saw any of the Hannibal Lecter movies. He never saw he, really? ne- he never saw Silence of the Lambs. He never saw Red Dragon. He never saw Manhunter specifically for that reason hmm. because he didn't want – because he had this own picture in his head of who Hannibal Lecter and Clary yeah. Starling was. And he didn't want that to shape him continuously That's making awesome. those books. So. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's probably
1: good he didn't see the last couple of <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: himself I a
0: couple.
1: or the TV series
2: hate the <laughs> TV series with everything I have um, right now I am just going through like this whole horror classics bender ton of king ton of lovecraft
1: you like uh, F. Paul Wilson like The Keep and The oh, Jack yeah. Yeah. The Keep is fantastic yeah. it's a great yeah. movie too Oh, no, nice I'm just guy. kidding. <laughs> I didn't want to offend you, but no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: The book's <laughs> fantastic.
0: It, the book's great. Yeah. Um, the other one uh, that I discovered recently was uh, Joe Nesbo. Oh, like, yeah, the, yeah. those, those, I've never been a huge mysteries guy. Like That was the one genre that kind of... like, I'd read something and everything else. I've been doing bookstores for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how have I not read a bunch of mysteries? So somebody recommended Snowman to me, and I started there and...
1: Those things are brutal. Oh, I should, yeah. check that. I should check that out. If you're reading a lot of horror, what other horror do you like that's in this sort of Paul Tremblay uh, vein? Um,
2: I don't know. <laughs> um, Put her on the spot. Well, I find myself,
1: that, um, when I go to
3: horror, I wind up going to Barker.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually who I was. If you ever, 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 ever want to read one of my favorite comic book series based off of a Clive Barker piece, uh, go and read Nightbreed. Okay. They made a comic series of it. It's phenomenal. It's I didn't think that they could get the thing about Carpenter is he's gross. And that's one of my favorite things about him ever. And I didn't think they could make that translate into a comic, but they did it so beautifully. I think it was Piotr Andreco who wrote it. Oh god, it's so good. Um, another it's a horror it's a horror esque comic. That we've talked about on the podcast, I don't know how many times it's called Hillbilly.
0: Oh, uh, Powell, this.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah Eric, Powell.
0: Eric Powell that did the Goon. Yeah, yeah. Um, that comic is it's Appalachian folklore horror. Yeah, and it's some of it is really traditional, classic folk tales, and just kind of turned on their ear by having this uh, blind uh, hillbilly that just wanders the woods with a uh, meat cleaver that was stolen from the devil. And he kills witches. Naturally. Like, that's
1: yeah. his thing.
2: It's very, don't go into the swamp. This, that, and the other is going to get you.
1: Well, we're sort of heading into the... Foothills of North Carolina, and tomorrow, so <gasps> I highly, definitely recommend definitely pick that one yeah. up to yeah, put us yeah. in the right frame of mind. Yeah, yeah. Hillbilly is is so
0: it's phenomenal, uh, and it really it hooked me. Well, I'm a huge Eric Powell fan. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. his wife is into roller derby. I used to rough roller derby, and so like I just connect, connected with that dude's art <laughs> and all his style. And uh, when Hillbilly came out, like the first couple of issues, I'm like, this is the best thing I've read in five years. Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't been shook by a comic that I'd started quite like that since Lock and Key by Joe Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh but when Hillbilly came out and I'm like, man, this is just fantastic. And then about five issues deep, they did a story about an old folk tale called The Tale And uh that was one of the uh scary tales to tell in the dark stories from mm-hmm. the book series when we were kids. And uh that was the one that freaked me out the most. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of uh this this guy off in the woods hunting with his three dogs and he finds this thing in his trap and he goes to set it and it takes off and he chops its tail off and he goes home and he cooks it and he eats it. And over the course of the next week, this thing comes to his house every night saying it wanted its taily po <laughs> And it just, each time it get a little bit further into his house before it got ran off. And it was just that creeping, delayed horror of him fearing each night, this thing coming back. And uh-huh. then, you know, and then it ended with you know. Sometimes you can still hear "I got my taily pole back," you know, and the, <laughs> and I, as a like seven eight year old in school, that terrified me. Like I just yeah,
1: I was like, uh, um, I like that creeping horror thing. I mean, yeah. it follows yeah. sort of uh, the movie it exactly. Follows, yeah, played yeah. with that a bit. I thought Hereditary that that movie was going to was going to do that before it completely just stopped making sense. Exactly. After about an hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's funny is it's
0: uh, speaking of movies that don't make sense but still have that is uh David Lynch's Lost Highway. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Is the opening of Lost Highway the um he uh, wh- wh- who was that uh Bill Blake. Pullman? No, well, Bill Pullman's oh, character. Oh, Robert Blake. Robert Blake's character keeps videotaping his house from, like, across the street, and each time it gets a little bit closer and a mm-hmm. little bit closer, and he keeps finding a new tape every day. That To this day, I can't watch that movie. I'm
3: a huge David Lynch fan, but that shakes me. Like, it freaks me out. Well, there's something <laughs> terrifying about the pursuit. Are, are you familiar with House of Leaves? Oh. By the, Mark Danielewski? Yes, yes. That is the same sort of pursuit, but it's a more obscure... It's it's an undefined pursuit, Mm -hmm. you know. It's more of a fear of the unknown. And the book itself is structured in 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 a way that actually kind of encloses you within the narrative, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is something I immensely respect. I don't know how the man managed to put that thing together. It terrifies me looking at
1: it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that whole I I love that. And coming back to Lost Highway, a lot of people didn't like that moving and didn't think it was one of his better ones but it's kind of one of my favorite Mine, of Lynch's yes. just because it like yes maybe all of the pieces don't really add up at the end but it's so fun yeah the ride is so fun but don't
4: you go to every David Lynch show and movie thinking it's probably not going to actually make any sense if you pick it apart so yes. therefore you can just enjoy it for the <laughs> or you just weirdness hope, that it like, is maybe
1: this is the one where the test stop tubes don't hoping.
4: break stop <laughs> <No, I'm> hoping
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mulholland Drive I thought actually held together yeah, that at one, the end yes, like, like emotionally it held you will
4: it, but it doesn't actually hold together. I'm sorry. <laughs> it does on a,
1: in a way. A, you say that a, yes. a, you tell someone a dream and the dream makes sense for the first hour that after you wake up, it still makes sense in your mind. And the more you think about it, it yeah. sort of fades away a bit. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. the more you tell people. I feel mm-hmm. like you lose uh, dreams the more you share them. Mm-hmm.
0: Anytime you tell somebody, like each time you tell somebody, for some reason, the details aren't quite there as much mm-hmm. the next time. Mm-hmm. You kind of—I don't. That's personally like I always feel like I'm whittling away. Mine at
4: become more and more narrative over time. Like the more I tell that's the truth, that's the more as you it filling like, in
0: the story. Now yeah. it's a whole
4: story. I've <laughs> completed all the dots. I did once have a dream in the summer where um, it
2: was too hot and nobody wanted to record with me, so I boarded up all the doors and windows, and they all overheated to death. <laughs> and that one will stick with me forever yeah. fair enough I'm sorry I killed you guys <laughs> did you guys really watch not. this
1: third season of uh, Twin Peaks anyone I did fart sound and That's, I agree with you. Oh. Oh.
4: resounding oh. fart uh, so sound. here's the thing here's the
0: thing I I still love Lynch and then I sat through it and I'm now starting I'm I'm starting my second watch through of it what was
4: the tree brain episode that was like episode 3 and at that part I was so insulted I was like how dare you (laughs) I am smarter than this I like stormed off stopped, well, I stopped Watch watching
1: it. it around her because I was getting angry at her I was like you are ruining this experience for me Wait, like, it doesn't make sense it's, it's a brain in a tree that's talking like, yeah it's like
4: it, they kept having all of these pieces that almost clicked to, it's the same thing he always does and you're just like and I'm like I'm meeting you way more than halfway here on this story like not at that point I was like I oh, can't do it anymore. I, haven't,
1: I haven't watched it through a second time so yet.
0: I, yeah. I got the books I got Final Dossier and uh, The Guide to. I did too those yeah. two and I read those in. Me, it, I'm have now watched the first two seasons of the original and have Mm -hmm. finished reading those books and I'm about to watch it again to see if it fills in blanks for me.
1: Um, (laughs) I didn't find that... I I read the first one that Mark Frost did in advance of the show and I didn't find it really added a lot. Okay, I was almost like, I don't think you read any of the scripts
4: <laughs> <laughs> this, or maybe this, he did yeah. right like this yeah. is all the biggest con ever at the yeah. end of this david lynch is like i've just been like pulling words out of a hat and throwing them together on a page <laughs> for like seven years Corey,
3: <laughs> i feel like the more of that world you take in the more gaps
0: you will create yeah. that's fair and i'm okay with that mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest with you the really funny twin Peaks story quote, though you
4: should steal that is <laughs> travis
0: uh downstairs our comic buyer um his first wife passed away mm. and that happened before my wife and I got together and so we started dating and we went over to my buddy's house and we're sitting in the living room and he has a framed picture of Laura Palmer <laughs> in his living room. <laughs> the, cool. the prom picture. As you cool. do. As cool. you right? do. And we're sitting there and you know the evening's going on or whatever and he gets up to go get some drinks from the kitchen or something and she goes is that his wife?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, "Yes, ask him about it."
0: <laughs> that is literally what I did.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> the, my favorite part of that story is, of course, Travis has a framed picture of Laura <laughs> Palmer. Why wouldn't he? It I don't get there's
1: yeah. I have a magnet of it on my. Uh, refrigerator in, in the office Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, See That's, Especially being from the northwest There's a Like you get this special connection Of like Yes we're that weird <laughs> <laughs> That's we, they what also, we want to
1: be They Name check the Tri-Cities In the first season Yeah Yeah Oh, the
4: dentist from the Tri-Cities, Three dentists.
1: It was their whole... They're coming up to go
4: to the casino, and I was like... Oral surgeons, Surgeons. in from the Tri-Cities. I was like, you're not getting high-quality oral surgeons out of (laughs) the Tri-Cities.
0: Especially not if they're going to One-Eyed Jacks. But the
4: Tri-Cities is the big city near there, besides Spokane, which is Spokompton. I mean, it's like not any good.
0: I'm so so happy to be talking about Twin Peaks. (laughs) (laughs) Mom Travis isn't up here. He's going to be sad. Oh, man. (laughs) Now I'm gonna go out home and watch Firewalk with Me.
1: Like, just it's gonna happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do it.
1: We haven't watched that. together. We can't watch that one together. We can't watch either.
0: anymore. No. <laughs> so no.
1: Well, at least you understand. <laughs> you? You say it's for the sake of the
0: relationship. That's, it's to, to be. That's a good good rule. You got to set boundaries. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> I think he's afraid I'm gonna convince him that it's actually not. not very good. You're not. That it's gonna. I think that you're actually genuinely scared. <laughs>
1: that's not no. true. <laughs> None of that's true. <laughs>
4: well, okay. <laughs>
0: now now the, uh, my my parent, uh my wife's parents were watching dune we had the internet out yesterday that was like bottom quarter of the state and uh so there was no internet and i got home and and the people in my house just kind of wig out for no internet like they're like what are we going to do <laughs> i'm like <laughs> to
4: talk to we each other yeah exactly <laughs> we cut off Inside world.
0: Um, so, but my my boys were like, "Oh no, we're fine." My boys were downstairs reading comic books, and but the, I came in and they were watching Dune, and I was like,
1: "Oh God!" Always getting getting ready for the remake. <laughs> yeah, and, but I was like,
0: "Oh, that, now the the movie that Lynch took his name off." of. <laughs>
2: We're we're gonna have to have the Dune conversation now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta
1: explain it to the boys. Well, it also was the movie that got him to be able to make Blue Velvet with yeah. the director's cut and no influence. So I don't know. I think it was a fair trade off. Yeah. sorry, Dune fans. I, but 100% like, if we had to get that. a sh- version of Dune for him to make Blue Velvet, that's okay. Yep. I don't know how they would it's, ever.
4: I mean, I'm very curious about this remake that they're doing because those books are. I don't know how you would make that into a movie. So like the fact that it turned out to be total shit, mm-hmm. but like was actually sort of comprehensible like it kind of makes sense and you kind of have like you know fat suit guys flying around and stuff like they kind of did it like uh, <laughs> i think that that's good enough right like yeah. i'm like that like, i'm perfectly fine you know, the, i'm satisfied with that meal. like i see so what you yeah. were trying to do yeah. it yeah. just yeah. didn't work yeah.
1: well i mean so the director who did blade runner the new one that's the one that's the guy who's gonna do uh Ooh. dune yeah
4: giant shoes that's all i can think about about the new blade runner
1: but we did watch it
4: we did watch it and it was funny because his brother is like obsessed with Blade Runner like uh, completely obsessed and Jordan was genuinely emotionally distraught when I said one thing I was like was oh s- this s- one s- part didn't really make sense to me I don't even remember what my thought was because that's just what I do I, all day long all I yeah. think about is how stories don't work right so very natural for me at the end of that i be like I thought it was pretty good but I didn't understand blah and he just like almost started crying oh, it was no. like, <laughs> like it emotionally destroyed him the fact that there was one flaw in this movie I was like I think there's one flaw honey well, like, if, you, <laughs> if you
0: look at Decker in in uh do androids dream of electric sheep uh, or yeah yeah uh that very different very different and that yeah. that book is hard to read in points. No. I I totally think so.
1: I <laughs> so agree. Okay. okay Dick is amazing on ideas, a little less so sometimes on eight, precisely on execution. Words
4: are hard you know. Yeah. Word. <laughs> I had
1: that exact
2: conversation with Ian whenever I made him watch Split. He's like, this is a cinematic masterpiece. You absolutely have to watch this. I need somebody to talk to about it. And
0: he yeah, goes.
3: I had some issues.
2: You're like, I'm like, eh, you're fine. stupid and wrong and I hate <laughs> you for it.
0: Also not. <laughs> Were you the one that insisted I start calling him M. Night at the bed? No. Oh. Some, somebody wanted me to refer to him as that. I support it. But...
4: <laughs> oh, poor Night. Nice. I, I thought Split was
1: pretty amazing.
0: I, I agree. I think it, it was truly I, like I agree. I just, I genius. I can't. Forgive him for Last Airbender. I just. Well, can. no one can. Yeah.
4: It's, it's like that whole thing. You just had to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. It's like a whole portion of that. I'm one of those weird people who actually liked signs and I really liked the village. So, so we, like, we I'm love on the, the out, village. Yes. Yeah. I adore of like the most village. people in the M. Night Shyamalan conversation, I'm like, M. Yeah. Night's a good guy. I'm yeah. pretty into it. You know? that,
2: I wouldn't necessarily count the village as like a full blown horror movie. I think it's more in the thriller aspect, but I would count that as the first. Scary movie I ever watched. Mm-hmm. No, it's super I was, suspenseful. Yeah. I was
0: mad that it wasn't what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think it was? Well, I thought it. I thought it was a. I thought it was the village being terrorized by monsters more so than. Oh,
4: I love what. that it turns out to be completely terrestrial. Well, so I so did love I. that. So did so I smart. in
0: the end. But I was. I was sitting there just kind of <laughs> seething in the theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, how how until they did monster? the switch, and then I was like, oh, I love this. This yeah. is amazing. So, it, but
4: it's the same thing that you were saying before, Blake, about like you can't ask yourself a series of questions afterwards like if you actually start asking how the village exists oh yeah then the whole thing falls apart like they have no exit strategy there where do you think it's just gonna last a thousand (laughs) years like it doesn't make any sense but if you let that go and just enjoy the story experience it's it's a good one
3: the movie was basically the Stanford experiment writ large and it just (laughs) <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. If he I can't.
2: takes off his headphones, you'll see steam coming out of his ear. Yeah, he kind of made a <laughs> face
4: like he's like
3: he does look call that, He's mind. dying inside right now. We
4: call that the seething mustache.
0: <laughs> oh. Here, <laughs> I was
4: thinking it. mildly farty, but okay.
3: So, okay. <laughs> I appreciate
0: that. Right. Sincerely, <laughs> that's, that's podcast shirt number two.
1: <laughs> mildly, mildly farty. farty.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. We have a we actually have an audio sample that came from an episode where we were talking. Uh, our co- our comic guy George uh, had too much coffee. Somebody <laughs> had made a, somebody had made a reference to Not him, basically as Radagast, <laughs> and and then he went to the Hobbit movie. Yeah. And, he, and so he leans into the mic and he's like, uh, "I may have poop in my beard, but I'm still a wizard." <laughs> And Which is not yeah. It but it became a thing like that we started get people were sending why is my thing doing that? Um
4: somebody heard you talking about poop in the beer. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> it became this thing. People started sending us memes that they created <laughs> of like the white mage from Final Fantasy <laughs> with little brown specks on the eight bit thing. You know, and people were like, Oh, can we get t shirts?
2: We like analyze it, it's like no, the poop is the source of his power. Yeah. I'm like, totally. oh dude. <laughs> it. We have uh, Robert, our guy, he, like, made a mock-up of, like, patches that we're eventually going to get of mm-hmm. just a tiny little wizard just sh- shooting <laughs> fireballs where it just says. But stands. they're brown.
0: The, yeah. 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 So, anyway. Blake, thank you so much for taking the time. And <laughs> on that note. Well, I totally <laughs> appreciate it. glad we're going out on an <laughs> elegant note. <laughs> yeah. And pooping the beard. That, that, I'm willing to bet that part won't make it in. <laughs> Sure. <laughs>
4: yeah, I, he hasn't been recording any of this. Yeah, yeah, no.
0: So, thank you so much for coming on. We're gonna,
1: Thanks so much for having me. Your store is awesome. kick ass. Thank, thank you, you so much.
2: You've been listening to AU Radio. Music is provided by Cubby, PurplePlanet.com, Lukash, and Bensound.com. Views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Adventures Underground. AU Radio podcast is a production of Adventures Underground copyright 2018 all rights reserved.
3: If you'd like to contact the show find us on twitter at au underscore radio facebook at au radio podcast or send us some electronic mail at podcast at adv and remember you can support this show and all the shows coming on au radio by becoming a patron of the au radio network find us on patreon as au radio at adventures underground you can help us create this podcast and soon several others with as little as one dollar a month thanks for listening to au radio